95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel in any given moment. You know, we have the limbic system and then we have the higher, the more evolved uh, prefrontal cortex. You know, the limbic system is what I kind of equate to being the, the ego-driven, knee-jerk reaction teenager. When HRV is down, when we spend too much time in that sympathetic state, our decision-making processes are compromised and our emotional bandwidth shrinks. That's the big one. If I can't be me unless I take a GABA supplement all the time, then I've got to audit my lifestyle. I've got to look at what I'm doing. I've got to make changes to how I'm interacting with the world. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body, Mind, Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and today our guest is Ryan Muncy, and he's a podcaster, an author, a speaker, and a high-performance coach. Ryan, I want to welcome you to the show, and I'm so glad that you could make it here. I'm so glad we could do this, too. Thanks for having me, Steve. <laughs> so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you actually had your birthday yesterday. Am I right? You are correct. Surprise! <laughs> Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I, I, I hope you're not having uh, some sort of a hangover or something. <laughs> no, uh, no hangover at all. Actually, I, I don't drink, um, so you don't have to worry about that. But uh, it's it was a. I'm, I'm really fortunate. We had a, a great celebration. My wife is uh, an amazing person, and she uh, she hooked us up with tickets to see my favorite singer, Bruce Springsteen, who happens to be performing on Broadway in New York City right now. So uh, we got to see probably the most amazing performance that he's ever done um, on Tuesday night. And then we actually flew home yesterday. So if I have any uh, negative uh, health or, or performance things going on today, it would be because I spent the entire day yesterday on an airplane. Oh, yeah. Well, that kind of wipes you out completely, you know. <laughs> it, probably... it does. It does. They had a. They actually had a blizzard, um, big storm in New York, and we were stuck on the runway for about three hours uh, wow. yesterday trying to get out of there. So, Crazy. Yeah, like, but it was it was worth every minute for that uh, experience. So awesome. We also had like some sort of a small blizzard in here, Estonia as well. You thought it was gonna melt off, and spring as well was knocking on the door, but <laughs> guess not. Winter is still here. Yeah. Yeah. Winter is here. We had a little tease of it for about a week, week and a half, and then uh, right back to winter. Awesome. Awesome. But uh, can you give uh, maybe a short overview for the people about who you are and uh, what, 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 where you are in your life right now? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, yesterday was my birthday. I just turned 34. Um, it's, you know, I've spent a lot of time this week reflecting. So, you know, I'm, I'm really blessed, really fortunate to, you know, have the life uh, that I have and, and to be able to have done a lot of the things that I've done and uh, to have the future ahead that, you know, I have tried to create and, and along with, you know, the people who have been in my life and, and helped me get to this point. Uh, I grew up playing sports my entire life. Um, I played, my sports were basketball and soccer. Um, I was not good enough to play in college. When I got there, I um, stopped playing sports and had to fill that kind of competitive void with something. And for me, that became the weight room. Uh, I fell in love with lifting weights uh, my best friend from high school was actually a year behind me uh, at college, and he was on the track team. So uh, we were at a, a really big school here in the U.S., Clemson University, and you know some of the guys on the track team there ended up playing in the NFL. Um, they, a few of them were sprinters in the Olympics. So firsthand, I got to um, experience how to train, how to run. I, that's where I really learned the biomechanics of of performance and performance training. And then uh, the more I learned about nutrition, the way we eat, the, the more I became obsessed and, and fascinated by that. I ended up changing my major and uh, majored in food science and human nutrition. So, you know, this was um, a, a really big time of kind of discovery for me. And that's where I fell in love with, you know, this idea that we can change the way we eat, change the way we train to uh, look differently, perform differently, feel differently, um, you know, have better health. Um, you know, I was the only male, um, still and the only male in my family on my father's side who is not diabetic. So mm. you know, that was a big thing for me to try to figure, 
figure out everything that was involved with carbohydrate metabolism and uh, blood sugar and insulin and then how that impacted weight management. And of course, got into bodybuilding and that led me to uh, modeling. Uh, you know, so there's the whole aesthetic and body fat, body composition side of that. Uh, so after college, I had the opportunity to move to New York City. I was a fitness model for uh, a little less than a year. Uh, that wasn't the life that I thought it was going to be. Uh, I was hoping that it would lead to uh, this platform from which I could educate people and and help people learn all of the things that we were not being taught in regards to how to properly feed and fuel ourselves. Mm. Um, I left New York, came back to Virginia where I'm from and uh, continued working as a personal trainer for a few years until I opened my own facility. Uh, so I used to own a gym there called House of Strength. It was a performance training facility. Uh, one of those facilities that looks like CrossFit, but it wasn't CrossFit. Uh, did that from 2012 to 2015, sold the gym, um, moved into uh, the role of host of the Optimal Performance Podcast with Natural Stacks and um, was able to do some work with them for a few years. And uh, just at the end of this past year, uh, left that post to start my own show, The Better Human Project. And uh, I've got a new book out now. And uh, the book is called Fuck Your Feelings. I hope we can cuss on the show. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so that's kind of as fast as I can go through it. That's sort of um, what I've been up to and, and where things are right now. Well, yeah, definitely. You've gone, in, gone through this entire journey of uh, human optimization and uh, performance, working out and uh, improving every aspect of your life in the, in the process as well. And I think like the first time I heard about you was on the Optimal Performance Podcast. And, um, and that got me inter interested in like natural stacks and uh, optimizing myself cognitively as well, more, more with, with supplements and nootropics. So and then I didn't, I didn't hear about you for maybe a few months. Obviously, you, you kind of flew under the radar for me. And I was thinking, like, where, where the hell is this guy? <laughs> Have you seen this man? <laughs> where is he hiding? What's he doing right now? And then I found out, oh, you actually published yourself a new podcast. And uh, turned out uh, it's, 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 it's a great project. So what made you move from uh, the OPP, the Optimal Performance Podcast, to the Better Human Project? Yeah, so I knew that this book was coming out. I, I spent um, well over a year working on the book, but the bulk of the work and the writing uh, was done uh, in the second half of 2017. And, and I knew when this book came out that part of uh, sort of, if you want to call it the business plan for the book was going to be uh, promoting it, going on podcasts and you know doing everything I can to get the word out about the book. And um, I knew if I was going to be doing that, that I needed to have sort of my own platform, my own site, my own voice, um, and that that was something that was going to be done outside of what I was doing with Natural Stacks and the OPP. So, uh, you know, just it was the perfect time to say, you know, that chapter has been great. It's led me to a lot of, um, afforded me a lot of great experiences and led to a lot of great um, things. But, you know, it's time to move on to the next chapter. And um, so, it just made sense to, um, you know, hand that role over to somebody else and then, you know, start my own show. And, um, you know, I was really fortunate to, to team up with my co-founder, Ryland Hormel at the Better Human Project, who had actually originally, uh, we got involved where he was going to be the media guy for the book and book tour and everything mm -hmm. uh, in terms of kind of personal brand building, if you will. But the more we had conversations about what we wanted the Better Human Project to, to be, the more it evolved into this thing of, you know, it went from how do we make an impact to, um, you know, it, it just, it took on a life of its own. I mean, it, you know, if people listening are not familiar with what we're doing, uh, we've renovated the back of an RV to be a full-on podcast studio. Uh, we're going to take the RV uh, on trips and, and find these little epicenters of, uh, people who are uh, making an impact uh, in business or or in their communities or uh, wherever it might be, and you know we'll, we'll take the RV to events or expos or conferences and create this place where like-minded people can hang out and socialize, build community, and then also have conversations that still help the listener of the show improve their own lives, but also 
you know, we started asking ourselves the question as we set up this new show, you know, the OPP was great. And there are so many shows out there that are focused on self-improvement and self-betterment, self-mastery. But what are we doing with that? You know, as, as a group, as, as biohackers or uh, people involved in, uh, you know, keto or paleo or whatever it is, whatever you do, whatever tool you use to uh, make yourself better, um, there has to be something bigger than that at the end of right. the road. And, and our question was, how do we continue to provide that information that helps the listener get better, uh, but also create some sort of a bridge to give back? And you know, that's the do better component. So our tagline for Better Human Project is be better and do better. And we're going to highlight people who have you know, amazing charities or are doing the research that we love, you know, the, the dominant, the Agostinos, I know you're big into keto. So, uh, the people who are, you know, on the forefront of pushing ketogenic research and how it impacts uh, cancer as a potential therapeutic, um, intervention. So, you know, we'll, we'll be donating uh, some of our revenue to, uh, those people's research so that we can help advance those things. Um, and it's, you know, the bridge for the listener to then get involved is to donate through us and, and we fund, uh, those researchers or, or those charities. So, you know, I think we just, we really started asking ourselves what, what is missing from the, the podcast world and, and how can we, you know, take that, that conversation the next step. And, and that's sort of where we are with it right now. We've got, uh, we've got some really exciting things in the works. Uh, hopefully within the next month, we'll, we'll have answers uh, and final, um, uh, I guess, agreements or arrangements in place that we'll be able to announce to some people but we're pretty excited about what we've got going on wow that's cool uh, so you're literally like driving around in this uh in this van and going to little places to meet these people <laughs> well we're not living out of the van full-time um we'll take probably four or six trips a year and we did our first trip um the very first week of February, we spent about 10 days in San Francisco and then Los Angeles. And in those 10 days, we recorded somewhere close to 20 shows. Wow. So we've got, uh, we're, we're kind of taking that productivity hack, yeah, if you will, yeah. of batching <laughs> content. So, so in a 10 day period, we maybe stocked up on four or five months worth of content. And then we're going to drip that out one show a week. And, and that gives us time to, you know, sort of set up the, uh, the business partnerships that we're arranging as we kind of get this thing going. And um, then we'll, we'll figure out, you know, what other events and shows we're going to go to and we'll start publishing that in advance on our website so people can follow us and uh, start to hang out with us wherever we show up. Oh yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Like uh, I like what, how your podcast begins as well. Like I think you say something along the lines of, you know, life is about meeting awesome people and connecting with them. Or something along the along the lines of that, and and, sh and sharing the stories. So I think it's a very good metaphor in the sense of using it as a better human project to optimize everyone around you. Yep, and I, we love hearing people respond that way when we talk about our message and what we do, because it lets us know that you know we are on the right track. That people are kind of hungry for you know this movement that we're trying to put together. Hmm. Yeah, but. Let's talk about your book now. Like uh, you recently published it, and it's called "Fuck Your Feelings." So, what's with the provocative title? And uh, can you talk about like what you're trying to, what what type of a message are you trying to tell people? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, you've got some books of your own that the title has to be something that catches people's attention and you know stops people from either scrolling on social media or stops people on, on a bookshelf. Um, but it's more than just a provocative title. It is self-talk that I use for myself uh, to make sure that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing in any given moment. And really, that's the crux of the book. Uh, the book is a neuroscience-based exploration of why some people succeed and other people don't. Mm. And uh, there's a neuroscientist, Antonio Damasio, who discovered that 95% of our feel or 95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel in any given moment. Mm. So if we go through life, letting our feelings run the show, then it's very unlikely that we will move from point A to point Z and achieve the things that we want in our lives. So, uh, you know, if we look at high performers, 
look at anybody who's been successful in their life. Look at a, a professional football player or Oprah or Richard Branson, whatever realm you like to study to look at high performers. You know, their success leaves footprints and you're likely to find uh, somebody who has shown up day in and day out and done the right thing at the right time, regardless of how they felt. Right. Uh, that's the only way that we reach uh, our goals in life. And, and the bigger the goal, the longer the goal, um, the more important it is uh, to be able to uh, master our minds and, and show up and do the right thing. So, so fuck your feelings is sort of a, it is a provocative title, but it is a very relevant title right. uh, to what we're talking about in the book so that we can help people master their minds and uh, you know, live the life that they want to live. Yeah, I totally. I read the book and uh, I really liked it because it wasn't this some sort of a simple egotistic self-help bullshit in a sense of you know <laughs> I'm awesome, fuck you guys, and you're simply lazy and you can't even accomplish your goals or something like that. So like you you go really go into the science of what emotions and feelings really are, and you explain it quite quite well. So can you maybe talk like what what are thoughts and emotions? And what's the difference between them? Yeah, and first of all, thank you. I, I really love hearing people respond and, and react in, in that way. Um, my goal with this was to really provide a user's manual. And um, I, I've been very happy and, and sort of overwhelmed with the, the initial response from people because it sounds like I was successful as a writer in creating what I wanted to create. And as a writer or creator, uh, you know, that's probably the most, uh, that, that's the best praise that, that we could get, right? Mm. Um, I, I've been in the business of transformation, whether I knew it or not, from the beginning, whether it was nutrition or personal training, uh, being a strength coach, gym owner, host of the OPP, and, and getting to help people with, you know, biohacking, whatever. It doesn't matter if we are trying to figure out the right diet, if we're trying to figure out the right fitness or, or workout routine or the right biohacks, ultimately what it comes down to is, uh, are we implementing these things? Are we using them um, in a way that is in alignment with our goals and in ways that serve us and move us forward? And you know, the people who succeed with nutrition or fitness or biohacking, whatever, are people who figure out ways to do that in a way that moves them forward. It's just, it's just that. It, it's, it seems sort of, it seems almost too simple, but it really doesn't matter what your nutritional approach is or, or what your workout approach is. It just has to be something that you can be consistent with hmm. uh, that serves your needs. Right. Right? Everything's goal and context dependent, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the idea was, uh, to help people understand what's going on from a biological perspective. Because again, if we look at these successful people, look at somebody like a Richard Branson or, or an Oprah or whoever, they're still humans just like mm -hmm. us. They have the same biology, the same anatomy, the same wiring. Um, and most people are unaware that we have uh, these competing systems in our brain. And you know, you've read the book, so you heard this in the book, but it's, you know, we have the limbic system and then we have the higher, the more evolved uh, prefrontal cortex. And you know, the limbic system is what I kind of equate to being the, the ego-driven knee-jerk reaction teenager. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very it's very now driven. It's it, the limbic system is incapable of thinking beyond the now. Um, so, you know, if you are walking through uh, whole foods or whatever a, a giant uh, grocery store might be in, in Estonia and you see the, the bakery and you're like, man, those cookies look good, but I really want some, that immediate reaction is the limbic system. And there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with you responding that way. And so many people will beat themselves up for having that reaction or thinking that way. Mm. But the truth is, we're sort of wired that way. It's the same thing as, uh, you know, if you're walking down a path in the woods and you see a snake. Before, like if you and I are walking down the path and I see the snake, before I could say, see him, stop, there's a snake. I'm actually going to reach my arm out across your chest and I will stop walking and I will stop you from walking before I could actually 
compute that and then say it verbally communicate it. Mm. And that is the speed with which the limbic system works. And from that evolutionary standpoint, it's good. It's meant to keep us alive. And we have to understand that we're humans. That's our biology. That's how we're wired. Now in today's world where our biology is maybe at odds with, um, the way that we live, our modern world, it doesn't necessarily match up with the way that we evolved. Um, you know, technology has just advanced far more rapidly than our uh, bodies can, you know, keep up. The, it's up to us to recognize that and be aware of that. And it's that awareness that then gives us choice. And so that's a, something that you'll see in the book quite a bit where awareness creates choice. And, you know, we have this choice of, you know, you saw that bakery section at the store and your immediate response was, man, that looks delicious. But then your second thought was, oh, I shouldn't do that because X, Y, Z, whether it's, you know, I'm on a diet or I'm trying to do this or it has gluten and I'm avoiding gluten or I'm keto and that's not keto, whatever. But that secondary thought is then the prefrontal cortex kicking in. It is slower, but it is capable of more evolved thought and it is capable of thinking beyond the now. So if we can find ways to recognize that, the awareness then gives us choice and we can decide, well, I'm either going to eat those cookies because they look good and I want one, or I can be an adult and realize that that is, you know, an ego feeling driven action that's not aligned with these stated goals that I have for myself and then choose to move in a way that is aligned with my values or my goals. Mm. Um, and any of the cookie analogy is an easy one because I think we've all kind of been there. We've seen the pizza or the cookies or whatever. But on, on a bigger scale of how do we make our life goals happen, you know, we need to be vigilant for those opportunities where we can um, look for things that we're doing, audit our habits and our daily activities and find things that we're doing that are actually sabotaging those goals that we have for ourselves and then choose now to move in a way that uh, moves our mission forward. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it in there. Like you say, it's all about raising awareness and uh, becoming more conscious of these things, which I totally agree with because I, I would dare to say that, uh, you know, the reason why people make bad decisions isn't because they want to do themselves harm. Isn't, it isn't because they want to get fat and, loot and uh, you know, slip off their diet. They simply make that bad decision because they're over, their conscious and rational self is being overridden by their emotions and and their you know the primal brain in a sense and also like the i think like the amygdala which is the fear center of your brain in the brainstem it's it actually there's no chance in competing of how fast your prefrontal cortex can react to it the amygdala is going to create the fear response i believe it was something along like milliseconds of like 0.3 milliseconds or something but before the signal the you know the stimuli you experience from the outside world before it reaches your prefrontal cortex the higher self that takes about like three to five seconds. So there's no chance of your you know, rational self being faster than your amygdala because you, you need to be that quick. You need to be that uh, fast in, in reacting to these kinds of things because it's in the nature is going to determine your survival. Yep, absolutely. So what, what would be like some other strategies of how to improve uh, your decision making? Well, what's really interesting is that um, there, there are quite a few studies that show high vagal tone um, corresponds to greater emotional resiliency. Now, vagal tone is synonymous with HRV, which I notice you're wearing an aura ring, so you're probably tracking heart rate variability or readiness. And anybody who's ever taken uh, a red-eye flight or flown uh, west to east, if you're extremely jet-lagged or if you're a parent and you remember those first few months to years where you're not getting enough sleep. When sleep is compromised, the very next day you feel in a very acute and very tangible way how your decision-making and your, um, what I would call your emotional bandwidth is greatly reduced. You're going to be irritable and edgy. Mm. So that's a great example of how vagal tone or HRV can impact emotional can resiliency. Can, what, what is HRV as well? Can you explain it? Yeah, so HRV is heart rate variability, and that is the difference between beats 
of your heart. So it's not the time between beats. It's the difference between, say, beat A to B, B to C, C to D. They're not exactly the same in the length of time between those beats. And that was discovered by a man named uh, Dr. Stephen Porges in the 1960s. And it's basically a measure of parasympathetic versus sympathetic. The more time we spend in a parasympathetic state, which is uh, rest and digest, feed and breathe, those are the, the relaxing, the calming things that we think of uh, or that we can do when we think of things like uh, saunas, uh, cold exposure, breathing, yoga, meditation. Those are all parasympathetic activities. Sympathetic is the state that most of us live in all the time. And again, this goes back to the conversation, um, the previous answer, you know, where we were talking about our modern world sort of being at odds with our biology. You know, if you think about the modern life, it is wake up and get the kids ready, get them off to school and do the morning commute and deal with rush hour traffic and then get to work and you got to deal with coworkers and bosses and deadlines. And then it's, you know, more uh, the, the afternoon coffee. rush hour. And yeah. Drink coffee and stay awake and, um, you know, poor posture and then get home and you got to do this and you got to do that. And even just thinking about it is exhausting and it's stressful. And if we can just slow down and take a breath and be still and think, that's, that's the simple, the breathing is the most simple one. We can do that anywhere. Hmm. But back to sort of HRV, um, sleep is one of the most important things that we can do to elevate HRV. Um, so, you know, you're, you're asking for, you know, things that we can do to sort of heighten our decision-making ability. And when, when HRV is down, when we spend too much time in that sympathetic state, our decision-making processes are compromised and our emotional bandwidth shrinks. That's the big one. If we can protect that emotional bandwidth, it's much easier for us to stay aligned with our goals and our values. And I think a lot of people confuse that with willpower, right? Mm -hmm. Willpower is a finite thing. Motivation is a finite thing. These things don't last. But you know, we hear them so much in you know, advertising and marketing, TV, whatever, that we think that's what we need. Oh, we just need more willpower. We need more motivation. No. If we can take care of ourselves and spend more time in parasympathetic states, so work on breathing, find some sort of meditation practice that works for you, whether it's gratitude journaling or a five-minute journal in the morning to set your intentions for the day. Uh, there are so many things we can do, and, and I talk about them in the book. I call them tools. I like to refer to them as tools in our toolbox uh, because I think tool is something that puts the responsibility on us. We have a responsibility to understand how to use it and, and how it fits into our life as opposed to you know calling it something like a biohack. It's not a shortcut. It's not a secret. Um, it's not a do this and the world will be fixed. Um, and, and the more of these tools that we can understand and understand how they help us, uh, the more of them that we can kind of build into um, our practices so that they serve us and, and are use, useful for us so that we can, um, you know, sort of, again, it all kind of comes back to protecting vagal tone and, and HRV because that we know um, increases our emotional bandwidth, which is basically the amount of stuff that we can deal with in a day before we hit a wall and snap. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you in that like stress is one of the biggest you know, determining factors of disease and uh, mental disorders, and uh, and as you, as we talked about decision making as well. So, it's the more you learn about how cortisol, uh, of how you know prolonged cortisol of uh, constant constantly staying in this fight or flight, it's got, it's the more you learn about it, you can see of how dangerous it actually is, and you recognize of how many of these modern life activities how they're constantly draining our uh, emotional bandwidth, like you said. And of course, it's very difficult to make these decisions if you're stressed out because, you know, you, you don't have enough emotional bandwidth or you don't have enough, enough capacity or willpower to do, to think about anything else but other than, you know, sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos because you're simply so drained out. So stress management is huge. So one of the most important things, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, like you said, I mean, you said it earlier, I mean, most people... I think part of part of human condition it's it's such a universal thing that you know we all want something for ourselves and and out of our lives and you know the thing that always fascinates me is you know well why are some people able to achieve that and other people aren't 
and and that's again that's sort of what i'm exploring in this book and you know the the people who whether it's diet or business or fitness related goals um the people who you know like you said you know a lot of stress eating or um you know a lot of the the reasons that people aren't able to realize the goals that they set for themselves is that you know they are operating from diminished emotional bandwidth and and it's leading to feelings or the limbic system sort of running the show so it is you know how do we how do we bring an awareness to that and then provide the tools to move away from being stuck in that pattern so that people can gain control and you know write the story that they want for their own lives yeah and i think that it also ties in together with uh being first of all being a better human for yourself and then being a better human uh, for for the entire society because you know like the, literally the entire your group your social group it's made up of your personal habits your values your beliefs that you carry out every day and those habits are gonna influence those around you as well so i think like optimal performance for me is like optimizing yourself first so so you could have enough emotional bandwidth for for the people around you as well so you wouldn't become you know one of one of those guys who spazzes out in traffic and uh you know Mm -hmm. fires fires children at schools or something like that right no absolutely i mean you know you can't give what you don't have Right. So, you know, you've got to take care of yourself. That's why when you're on an airplane, they tell you put your mask on first. You know, yeah. you you can't help anybody else. Um, you know, if you're dead from lack of oxygen. So, um, you know, in this again, this kind of ties back in with what we were talking about with the Better Human Project. Is you know, you can't give what you don't have. And and yes, take care of yourself and get there first. But that's dependent upon, or that's making the assumption that you're going to do that in order to then show up for other people. Uh, and I think that's a part of the conversation that uh, isn't always there in the world of you know, biohacking and self-optimization is then how do you then take what you've been able to do? Um, you know, okay, your needs are met, you're taken care of now. Now how do we show up for other people and help them as well? Mm, that's true, yeah. Have, have you heard of uh, Jordan Peterson's book, The 12 Rules of Life? I have heard of it. I'm hearing a lot of great things. Uh, it is queued up on my Audible, uh, but I have not started listening to it yet. Yeah, like he he, he gives like this sort of guidelines of how to live a better life as a human being. And, and rule number one is stand up straight with your shoulders back. So it basically means that your physiology is going to affect your psychology and vice versa as well. So there have been many studies on how on how lobsters who are fighting for, you know, fighting for food, fighting for mates and for shelter, those lobsters who win, they're going to, you know, experience this sort of a boost in serotonin that, and that serotonin is going to give them more confidence. It's going to help them to stay more relaxed, to be less stressed out. And it's also going to, you know, because they won, they're going to have more food. They're going to have more mates. They're going to have more sleep. And, uh, and that is also going to predict the future success of that same lobster because they g- gained this sort of a, you know, boost in a sense. And the lobster who lost, he's going to go downward into the same spiral mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. lost and they didn't get those same benefits. So, like, uh, that comes to show of, yeah, this, that the, the vicious cycle of stress is literally going to drag you deeper and deeper into this hole the longer you stay in it. Let's say you've been, like, top lobster for a long time, but you're getting kind of old and some young lobster just you know, wails the hell out of you, and, and so you're all depressed. But the thing is, your brain is dominant. But you don't have much of a brain because you're a lobster. And so now what are you going to do? Because you just lost. And the answer is, well, your brain will dissolve. And then you'll grow a subordinate brain. And uh, what, what, what advice would you give for someone who is and, you know, gets stuck in this sort of a downward spiral and loses? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a great example. And both on the positive and the negative side of this, you know, these are self-perpetuating cycles. You know, if you, um, if you lack um, self-confidence or if you're insecure, a lot of that may, there's a lot of things that go into it. So I don't mean to oversimplify those things, but a lot of that can stem from a history of not doing what you set out to do. Or, or not following through um, with the things that you said you were going to do or set out to accomplish. And, you know, along the way, that happens when we 
uh, allow our feelings to run the show or the limbic system to run the show. Um, so one of the things that we can do to quickly break that cycle is to say, fuck your feelings and, and do something that gets that first win. Because again, on the other side, as you mentioned, and as Jordan mentioned and those studies mentioned, it, it is a self-perpetuating cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody like Jocko Willink would say, get, earn the first victory of the day or get your first victory of the day. Get up early, take a cold shower, get a workout in. Um, those things work on so many different levels because, you know, there's the physiological boost from, um, you know, moving. You know, we talk about that in my book where, you know, I say uh, there's a saying that uh, motion creates emotion, right? Mm. Uh, if, if you don't think your physiology can change your mental state, then put 60 seconds on the clock and do as many burpees as you can in 60 seconds. I guarantee you, you know, in 90 seconds, your physiology and your mental state will be different than it is right now. From a neurological, neurobiological definition of feelings is exactly that, that feelings are a mental experience of a physiological state. So quite literally, changing your physiology can change your, your feelings, change your mental state. Um, and, and not only will you get the physiological boost from either moving or taking a cold shower or you know, whatever tool you decide to implement, you have that psychological boost, the neurochemical side of it that is now in your favor when you earn that first victory. You know, maybe your first victory isn't defeating the other lobster for food. It is not hitting the snooze. It is getting out of bed. So put your alarm clock out of reach so that you physically have to get out of bed to turn it off. You cannot hit snooze. Just make it a rule. I never hit the snooze anymore. Um, about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, I made that change and it was life-changing for me. Uh, I used to be somebody who hit snooze way too much um, and I moved my alarm. So now I have to get out of bed. I don't hit the snooze. Um, you know, Take a cold shower in the morning, get a workout in in the morning, do something else that um, you can count as a victory to start that momentum in your favor. And then as you said, and as all these studies have backed up, that once you start that cascade in your favor, you're now on the positive side of this cycle. Um, so just, I think, again, it's, it's bringing an awareness to that, being aware of it, knowing it, and then bending it uh, to your favor. So whatever you have to do to get that first win and create that momentum. Hmm. That's powerful, yeah. And it's not just neurobiology, it's also physics. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the second law of uh, Newton, Newt, Isaac Newton is something along the lines of, you know, an object that rests stays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion unless it comes into contact with, with another object. So the longer you stay motionless, the longer you stay on a couch, the easier it gets. And uh, if you get things rolling, then the momentum and the compounding effect is going to get you more it's going to give you more motivation it's going to keep your keep your body in motion and uh, the easier it's going to get one from there and one scary thing for me has been also reminding myself of neuroplasticity of this process of our brain rewiring itself constantly so literally every decision you make is uh, restructuring your neural networks and it's going to make that decision easier to make in the future again so that's for instance in your example hitting the snooze in the morning it's going to it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy and it, it becomes a habit because your brain gets more efficient than doing it. So it's a very scary thing to always think about because you're either always moving on this big drawer line. You're moving either closer to your goals or moving away from them and every decision is constantly you know, dragging you in some direction or the other. So it's always been one of my go-to hacks of reminding myself of this uh, neuroplasticity. So I'm going to give you about... 10 seconds to get up and get out of bed but uh what what would be some something to do to you're into these nootropics and uh, optimal performance as well so what would be something to uh, re-optimize your serotonin levels if you've if you've fallen into this pit of uh you know losing and uh, too much stress well you know as you were going through that previous answer talking about physics i was just thinking in my head isn't science cool um, so, so let's stick with a science-based answer on this one and how nature, um, and, and the human body are just so perfectly aligned and, and, you know, every, most everything that we could need can be found in nature. So, um, one of the, the best things that we could do to kind of work towards re-optimizing or optimizing or normalizing our, um, neurochemicals 
is to expose our body and our, especially our eyes to morning sun. So within an hour of sunrise, uh, getting outside and being exposed to that morning sunlight, uh, the photoreceptors in our eyes will actually uh, recognize that light. Uh, light is just, it's a wave that contains energy and, and information. And we actually use that to create serotonin and dopamine. Mm. Um, that, that serotonin is then released uh, a few hours after dark, assuming that we don't give our brain and our bodies mixed signals by exposing ourselves to artificial blue light after dark, which I notice you're wearing blue blockers, so you know this. Um, but if, if we don't uh, then expose ourselves to blue light and disrupt that serotonin melatonin pathway, that serotonin that we sort of stored from morning sun exposure then is converted into melatonin and, and that is uh, part of how we get a great night's sleep. So, you know, that morning sun can be really good for vitamin D. We get serotonin and dopamine through the, um, you know, retinal uh, photoreceptors and then that uh, facilitates uh, better quality sleep at night, which then also facilitates um, a higher HRV or better emotional resiliency. So these things are all interrelated. And, and I think that's one of the most important things for people to keep in mind is that uh, everything is everything. And, and, and there's just this integrative uh, approach to self-optimization and, and health and, and showing up, moving through the world the way we want to. Yeah, light is another one of those important things that gets overlooked and circadian rhythms as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've been recently looking into the, into the uh, content of Jack Cruz as well. And he's, he's huge in light and, uh, and these biochemical signals and EMFs. And uh, I believe he also talked about how wearing sunglasses during the day is going to have a negative effect on you know, vitamin D synthesis and these serotonin levels, and it's going to lead to a, this sort of a mild circadian mismatch as well. So whenever you are outside, don't wear like these sunglasses, unless you're driving, of course, but you know, to expose yourself to these natural sunlight and to mm -hmm. allow your body to receive those signals that are coming from the environment. So that's a huge thing. Yep. And I think, like he said, it doesn't start with food. Uh, it starts with light. So everything around us is, you know, life exists because of sunlight so it is one powerful thing but uh, like serotonin is also produced in the gut as well like the majority of it right yeah i think uh close to 90 percent um is produced yeah. in the gut so then you know we do want to make sure that we are uh, you know paying attention to gut health uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can approach that but um you know Eating fermented foods is probably my favorite way to get probiotics. I know a lot of people, you know, want to know, well, you know, should I take probiotics or what are your thoughts on that? And um, I have yet to find a probiotic supplement that I trust uh, in terms of providing, um, you know, the high quality uh, bacterial strain. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think about it, I mean, these are these are delicate living things, and um, most of them, if if it's a capsule or if it's a um, you know, like a, a compressed formed pill, uh, that high heat and high pressure is probably killing it. Um, if it's in a, a gel cap or, or some other kind of capsule, uh, that's not pressed and formed, you know, then you've got to assume or trust that it was kept at the right temperature throughout that entire transportation and distribution process. Um, how long was that? How long has it been on the shelf? And, you know, was it in fact refrigerated the whole time? So most of the people buying probiotics uh, and then taking them are, are just simply not getting what they think they're getting or what they're paying for. So uh, for me, the most effective way to do that is through eating fermented foods. Um, I would suggest eating fermented foods almost daily, whether it's kimchi, sauerkraut, or um, certain yogurts that, that don't have um, uh, sugar added or that are made using um, you know, high quality uh, mm. dairy products. To, to, to drink like kombucha or something as well? I don't. I just don't like kombucha. Um, and I, again, it's, it's one that it's really hard for me to find without sugar added. Um, I, I just like sauerkraut. Um, I would much rather just eat sauerkraut mm, than yeah, I, love, I love sauerkraut as well. I, I eat sauerkraut and these uh, different fermented vegetables from my own garden. And uh, they're great. Yeah, amazing. But nice. uh, I also heard like uh, Jakko Halmeta, you, you, you know of him, and he, he mm -hmm. mentioned 
when we talked about that he's he ferments you know nettles and these wild herbs mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that that's crazy you know when I, when I heard about it you know man i gotta try it out you know it's it's because the nettles are very nutri- nutritious and if you ferment them as well then you can you know mm-hmm. consume them during the winter months as well so i'm mm-hmm. definitely going to do that uh, this year yeah, those guys are amazing. And, and just being around them and talking to them about, you know, foraging and, and eating as many wild foods as possible. Uh, you know, just that, that whole thought process of, you know, something that is wild will have, um, you know, much greater antioxidant capacity because it's literally fighting for its life. It's not being, um, you know, tended to by a human and, and you know, given this chance to, to live and survive the way uh, human intervention does for cultivated foods. So uh, it's been fun to, to learn from them. Mm, yeah, I definitely started to pay more attention or take advantage of the nutritious foods that are growing in my backyard, backyard and already like mm-hmm. things like chaga and reishi. Like <laughs> chaga is one of the most potent antioxidants in the world. Like, I don't know, several hundred thousand times the more potent mm-hmm. than anything else. So definitely, definitely getting in touch with them. Yep, and it's been used in multiple cultures for you know centuries exactly, yeah. as you know immortality or or longevity elixirs and tonics. So you know there's there's definitely something to it if you see a lot of you know multiple cultures using it for long periods of time. Um, you know there's definitely something to that. Yeah, and uh, you also talked. You gave a speech at the Biohacker Summit last year in Stockholm, and it mm-hmm. was about uh, states and traits. So can you maybe? Talk about you know, what's what's the difference between them? Yeah, so a state would be a short-term transient way of being, um, and in the analogy that I use is weather versus climate. States would be the weather. So you could look outside today, and it may be sunny or it might be snowing. Um, that's that is short-term. It's transient. Uh, a trait is a quality. It's it's sort of who we are or how we are, and uh, that would be the climate. Uh, part of the weather versus climate analogy. So if we think about uh, Florida, or if you think about California, you, you think of warm and sunny. Um, if you think of you know, certain parts of Russia, you may think cold and gloomy and snowy. And that's because more often than not, the weather is a certain way. So when we look at states and traits, you know, we, can, we can train to develop traits long-term. There are certain quote-unquote biohacks or or certain tools that we can use. All of these tools or all of these hacks can be used to change states, Mm. but some of them can be used to change states in the short term and then also favorably alter traits. Yoga, meditation, uh, cold exposure, these are all backed by research showing long-term shifts in either immune or adipose function in the case of cold exposure. Or for yoga and meditation, um, you know, it's been demonstrated to uh, prevent temporal structure loss uh, through the aging process mm. uh, to improve HRV. You know, so I'm a big fan of if we're looking for a state shifting thing rather than looking for a pill that fixes today let's implement some sort of a tool that will positively boost now but also be a habit that i can build into my lifestyle Mm -hmm. that will positively impact me uh, on a trait on a character level uh, for the rest of my life Mm. yeah i think i understand you like so, so let's like uh, not taking a nootropic or taking a limitless pill is is a, is going to put you into a certain state of mind, but uh, to actually become smarter, to become uh, more intelligent, and to become more focused, to develop the trait, you need to actually you know putting in the effort and we're actually concentrating on something and using that state of mind to improve, to you know go through the reps in a sense. Right. So in in that example, if if one were to stop taking that limitless pill then you would lose the heightened intelligence or focus or, or productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we use something like um, yoga or meditation to improve our focus, um, you know, then over time we become a person who is more focused, a person who um, can count on breathing or rely on their breathing to help them overcome stress. Um, you know, so yeah, you know that you, you got it. You nailed it. 
Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, it's also one important thing to not become reliable or reliant of these things to become mm-hmm. not become dependent of of uh, having your supplements or having a, having this sort of everything in check. So because every, once you 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 become of course something something random something unpredictable, then it's all going to wipe you out. So you always you always want to maintain mm-hmm. uh, you know you you want to have the skill of or you want to have the ability to do it without the supplements and uh, the optimization. Right. I mean, if we're, if we're always relying on that pill to be a certain way, we don't possess that trait. We don't right. possess that thing. We, we have to get it from that external source. That's not us. Um, whereas if, if we then develop those traits, then that's who we are. We become that person and then we have it all the time. Uh, one of the other things I talk about in the book is uh, the idea of the difference between peak performance versus high performance. I'm not a fan of peak performance, and to me, that is um, chasing a singular state um, and then always trying to repeat that state. Well, the definition of any peak for something to be a peak means that there is a drop off on both sides. So I don't want to chase this elevated state knowing that it's temporary or it's transient and that on the backside, I'm going to have this drop off. I want um, I want, a, I want a, a high performance. I want to elevate my baseline mm. to a sustainable elevated level so that I can operate on that level every single day. And you know, the way we do that is not by constantly chasing states, but by developing traits and becoming that version of ourselves, becoming that person. And you can then be that way, not every single day. I mean, look, let's face it, we all have bad days, but more often than not. So it's again, it's about developing this climate um, these traits so that we can, you know, when we think about who we are, we want to think about, you know, a climate that's more like Florida than, you know, something that's cold and rainy. <laughs> unless you're doing uh, cold thermogenesis. So. <laughs> yeah. And unless you just want to live in a place that's cold and rainy or be that way. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Maybe the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> so like what kind of uh, traits are you developing uh, on a daily basis? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the, the breathing thing has been big for me. Um, yoga and meditation are practices that, that I've really incorporated over the last few years. Uh, I'm a huge fan of cold exposure. Uh, I take a cold shower daily. Um, I, I don't know if you... Did you meet Kiki Bosch? I'm not sure if you know her or have uh, met no, her. I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh, she's going to be a future guest on, on our new podcast, but um, she's actually going to come to Virginia Beach uh, in a few months, uh, actually late next month. And uh, we're going to put on a Wim Hof uh, workshop here for a day in Virginia Beach. So um, sharing that cold exposure and, and the, um, the fundamentals of that with folks is going to be a really fun opportunity. Um, so I, I think it's it's just continuing to sort of um, explore uh, another new one that, that I've started to work with is uh, red light. Um, you know, I don't know that that's really changing any traits. Um, maybe that's just a new habit. Just a recovery. I'm also yeah. getting into it. It's, it's quite the research is showing that it's very, you know, beneficial for many things. Yep. Yep. Uh, so mine's from Juve. Uh, those guys are amazing. The guys at Juve light, um, other traits I'm trying to develop. I, I think, you know, on a, on a personal level, um, communication and, and leadership, um, you know, I'm in a new territory now with having a book out and, and trying to talk about it. So um, following people who um, are effective communicators, uh, whether that's uh, as a podcast guest or on a stage speaking, I'm always trying to improve those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, the mastery of our craft is is never done, and and it is. Uh, I had this on a post today that it is. It's the totality of true mastery is uh, draw is jaw dropping, and um, yeah, that came from actually seeing Bruce Springsteen two nights ago, and and in the show where we saw him on Broadway, it was just a one man show. His band wasn't there; it was just him on stage, and you know he did. He played the piano, he played the guitar, he played the harmonica. And that was it. And he sang his songs. Um, and, you know, most people are unaware that, you know, he's got a, he has this band. I don't know how many pieces are in the band, but there are several songs that are, you know, huge uh, walls of sound. And for him to be able to sit down on a piano and carry that song just with the piano and his voice, you know, most people don't realize that he has that skill. 
mm. as an artist. And, and that's sort of what I mean when I say mastery, total mastery is jaw dropping that mm. he's not just a guy that can sing, you know, he writes those songs, he can play them on the piano, play them on the guitar, um, you know, so that when they get up there as a band, he knows exactly what sound he wants from the guy on his drums, the guy on the piano, the guy playing guitar, and then what is he going to deliver, you know, with the vocals. Um, so with whatever our pursuit is, you know, it's looking at all of the components of it and, and trying to master that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think like now people, people can't, you know, they underestimate how much effort actually goes into accomplishing something, whether that be writing a book or playing the piano or becoming good at something. I, I think right. like Michelangelo has a great quote about, um, if they knew how hard I worked, then they wouldn't be that amazed or they wouldn't be that impressed because, because uh, yeah, it goes to show that, you know, mastery is grinding it out every day and uh, simply doing, practicing, deliberately practicing and constantly improving yourself. So it's yep. a constant process, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think the trait, I guess if you're back to your question of what traits am I trying to develop, I think it's just, it's constantly auditing you know, strengths and weaknesses and, and what do I need, what assets do I need to add to my toolbox so that I can continue to show up and, uh, you know, continue to evolve with my own mastery. Hmm. Yeah. You mentioned meditation and I think meditation is one of the best meta skills in a sense of it's going to improve everything else you do as well. And, uh, you know, it boosts your gray matter, improves your focus, reduces stress. It's like the entire package in a sense. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's phenomenal. Uh, and again, you know, that's why I'm such a big fan of that as, you know, if you're looking for something to shift your state, work to develop that as a practice that you can go to, to alter the state now because of knowing that the more you do it, all of those benefits for long-term traits. Mm, yeah. And uh, we mentioned earlier about how the amygdala is quick to react. It's much quicker to react than the prefrontal cortex then uh, meditation is actually going to expand or let's say it's going to improve your prefrontal cortex's ability to react to those situations faster and uh, it's going to allow you to respond to them in a much more conscious way and uh, mm -hmm. to become more aware of those things. So it's definitely, if you're not meditating, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Living in the limbic system. Yeah, in the matrix. But uh, what about some supplements or nootropics do you take to uh, optimize your states, your emotional and mental states? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of magnesium L3 and 8. Um, I was actually uh, on a coaching call with a client this morning and we were talking about it. Um, magnesium L3 and 8 is the only uh, form of magnesium that can cross the blood-brain barrier. And because of that, um, it has been shown in research to increase synapse density um, and if people don't know what that means, just think about the old cell phone commercials and, and you would see those coverage maps uh, and think about less towers, less coverage, less connection. That would be fewer synapses. Uh, you know, so if we can take this supplement that is you know, as novel as um, magnesium, something that can actually increase synapse density um, and facilitate faster, better, more efficient communication um, through, you know, our, our nerve cells, our neurons, that's, they communicate by these connections, these synapses. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a phenomenal product and one that, uh, that I would highly recommend, um, you know, just again, it's going to help short and long term. Um, I'm not, I'm really, I don't mess with a whole lot of other nootropics anymore um, because again, my focus has been on how do I elevate baseline mm -hmm. and get to a point where I don't need nootropics. Um, yeah. That's ultimately, that's what I want. I want to be able to not have to have them um, to be the way I want to be. Um, so uh, that's, that's really the only really uh, nootropic or brain, I guess in terms of brain health, I mean, I take a lot of omega threes, um, krill oil. I do take some curcumin, um, yeah mm, yeah it's true like uh I, I believe like you would actually become more desensitized to those effects the more often you use them as well and uh yeah you want to maintain the, your you know like like you don't want to eat too many carbs you don't want to take too many nootropics either because you're going to get uh, like insulin resistance or nootropic resistance <laughs> yeah yeah and, and the absolutely. fundamentals are like uh, nutrition sleep exercise mindfulness those kind of things 
Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned serotonin earlier. I mean, if I'm, if I always need, uh, or GABA, right? Like GABA is another one where, um, I, I think especially in, in today's world where we're just constantly bombarded with information and, and sensory input, um, it, it's called excitotoxicity where, you know, we, uh, we're just constantly being bombarded with, with this information and, and most people are GABA depleted. So personally, I feel like if I can't be myself, if I can't be me, unless I take a GABA supplement all the time, then I've got to audit my lifestyle. I've got to look at what I'm doing. I've got to make changes to how I'm interacting with the world uh, so that I don't have to rely on this supplement or this pill or, or prescription medicine, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, to me, any of those would be a short-term fix, but while that's kicking in, I'm then auditing uh, my lifestyle so that long-term I don't have to rely on that. Mm, yeah, like indeed, like, like if I do feel like I need to get a better night's sleep or I'm jet lagged or something like that, then, I'm, then I do will take like melatonin or GABA to, you know, boost the relaxation, but I'm not going to do it all the time because, right. yeah, to stay, you know, mobile and stay sensitive to them. But what right. kind of a nutrition do you plan? What, what do you eat in a day? Yeah, so uh, back in November, uh, prior to November, I'd been following maybe I guess you could call it a targeted keto or a cyclic ketogenic diet. Uh, the typical keto diet um, I have found is too low protein uh, for, for me. I'm, 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 my background's in strength coach and lifting weights. I call myself a meathead. I, I enjoy uh, lifting weights. So I need a little bit more protein. Um, and if I follow the traditional keto diet, I need to have carbs, um, probably 200 grams, maybe twice a week. Mm. Um, and in the month of November, I actually did the carnivore diet. Mm. Um, I did lab testing before and after blood work, gut biome testing, because I was just fascinated by this idea of, um, you know, eating nothing but meat. So, uh, I did that experiment. And then ever since then, um, I think the biggest thing that I realized then was that, you know, I could eat three pounds of meat a day and still be in moderate ketosis. Wow. which which no one would have believed prior to that. Um, certainly not me. But when I looked at it, I mean, I was still 60% of my ca calories were coming from fat, 40% were coming from protein. Sometimes it's more like 35, 65. So it's, it's not really that big of a surprise that I was in moderate ketosis. Mm. Um, so ever since then, I've, I've sort of bounced back and forth between carnivore and keto. It's not strict one way or the other. Um, Regardless of how I'm eating at any given time, I sort of have these rules around food, um, you know, kind of values. I don't eat anything with added sugar. Um, you know, food quality, I think, is always the most important thing. So I'm always trying to eat grass-fed, wild-caught. Um, I don't eat anything that has chemicals or preservatives or additives. Um, you know, so it's usually, you could usually kind of define the way I eat as paleo, keto, bulletproof, somewhere in that Venn diagram where they intersect or, or don't in the case of carnivore. Mm. Yeah, I think like it's also important yeah, to use these different diet plans as a tool uh, to, uh, to you know, promote certain states or to develop certain traits because you don't never want to become too strict with anything like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm keto until death or I'm carnivore until death <laughs> or vegan or, or whatever. But uh, you want to use that, you want to go back to the source of uh, identifying what you, why you're doing it for and what's the purpose of it and then to you know move back and forth according to what's the what's the situation so yeah as we said earlier goal and context like why are you doing this what are you trying to accomplish and you know i think like you said all of these whether it's paleo or keto or or whatever these are just templates and, and a framework from which to start experimenting and you know start with it as is written and see how it works and then branch out from there, make your own little tweaks and, uh, you know, see how certain experiments work for you or don't work for you. I mean, it, nutrition is, is one of the most individual things, um, you know, that we can come across. And uh, I think it's up to each of us to kind of figure out, you know, what works best for our, us and, and realize that what works for me really well six months ago may not work for me right now. I mean, our, 
again, when we talk about biology and, and intersecting with the modern world, our ancestors ate seasonally. They ate locally and seasonally. And, you know, that, that's, that's another, you know, that's, a, that's one of the reasons that, you know, if it's December, um, my diet may look different than it might in July. Mm, yeah, indeed. And I believe there would have been definitely some periods of, you know, complete keto and then cycling off in, in the ancestral, ancestral living as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're starting to reach the end of the show as well. And it's been uh, fun talking to you. And I'm going to ask you one of my few last questions, which would be like, what habit or some of a practice would you wish you had adopted earlier that would, you know, improve someone's body and mind? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I, I was really lucky in 2012. I was introduced to a, a business coach who became a mentor and friend. His name is Paul Reddick. And I guess my pause is in trying to figure out the way to distill it down to a practice. But I, I guess the practice would just be personal development. Or personal growth, just as as a as a whole, um, you know, I didn't really have an appreciation for that or put much effort into that until that point. So, um, I think it's less about the specific practice or the specific tool, and more about making that growth, um, that mindset change, a practice in itself, um, being open to uh, growing and you know learning. Um, just, I mean, the the ability to learn is the greatest skill that we can develop because once we develop that, there's nothing we can't learn, nothing we can't do. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I believe like it has to be a commitment to mastery and uh, mm-hmm. willingness to learn. Yep, absolutely. And when, when can people learn more about you and uh, your projects? Well, um, the book is. Let's see, yep, I got a copy of it. Um, fuck your feelings is available on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon, grab the book. Um, my website is ryanmuncie.com. Uh, we mentioned the new podcast. It is better human project. Uh, we've got a website for that betterhumanproject.org. Um, it's on Instagram, betterhumanproject.org is the Instagram account. Um, you know, follow us there. And then my Instagram is at Ryan Muncie with an underscore. Um, that's really the only social media channel that I'm using. Uh, not not huge on Facebook or Twitter. Mm, awesome. Well, Ryan, it has been awesome talking to you, and uh, definitely wish you well for your for 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 bettering uh, us, all of us as human beings, and to keep motivating us and uh, keep improving. I appreciate the kind words, Tim. Thanks for having me here. That's it for this episode. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and other social media platforms. And other than that, subscribe, click the like, notification bell as well. Like always, thanks for watching. My name is Seam. Stay optimal, stay empowered.